folks what is up it is another manic monday here on train wreck tonight 291 it was a crazy weekend we have new bills via the draft and today we have new bills free of free agency in the form of latavius murray we got all kinds of hockey action nba action we got micah hyde softball game on the horizon but of course the focus at everyone's mind was the draft this weekend so let's get into it right here on train wreck tonight 291 brought to you by outlet liquor happy to welcome our first guest here he is a connoisseur of the draft folks he studies it he breathes it he lives it and he is also as noted a titan of tiktok let's welcome him in here mr one bills live chris trapasso how are you doing sir i'm doing really good i gotta say zach i've done a fair amount of these stream yards by now and your show is the first one that has like on hold music playing while i'm backstage and it was bumping. It was something that sounded like you would hear at Rec Room on a Sunday during like maybe halftime of a Bills game, if you could hear in there at all. So it's great to be on to talk Bills with a Western New Yorker right after the draft. And that's a great point because let's face it, if it's if you're a Bills fan, every day is game day. It doesn't matter whether it's yeah. something that Stefan Diggs is posting on or tweeting on March. Doesn't matter whether it's an OTA in May. We are always focused 365, 24-7. But before we get into the draft action, just want to, you know, kind of kind of ease us into the pool here together. We're gonna dip our toes together. What'd you do this weekend? Now, besides obviously focusing on that draft. So I was down in Fort Lauderdale at the CBS Sports Studios. Thursday night, I just did biggest reaches. I did my Twitter thread of just my instant reactions to the picks. And then my big project of the year from Friday, pick 32 this year, all the way through Mr. Irrelevant 259. I was doing the official CBS Sports draft tracker. Same deal as kind of what I did Thursday night on Twitter. Analysis, three to four sentences and a grade for all the picks. That's why pretty much why I have to watch so many, like over 300 prospects every year. So I'm ready to go when those picks come flying in on Friday and Saturday. Folks, we are going to get a couple of nuggets of Chris's analysis. But seriously, if you want to take a deep dive in, if you want to see what's below that, that, you know, marine layer that we can see from the surface, make sure you're following it out at Chris Trapasso. Uh, but Chris, so let's get into it. Obviously, you talked about your reaches and whatnot on uh, first night. Just give me your overall reactions to like, you know, Thursday's action, whatnot, and maybe one or two thoughts. I saw, obviously, you, uh, you praised a number of teams. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty fun-filled first round because we had so many trades. Uh, more than last year, the, the Texans trading up after picking C.J. Stroud, they paid a pretty penny to get Will Anderson, and we'll see if that ultimately plays out. Usually the teams that trade up for players that much don't end on the right side of those deals. It's usually the clubs that trade back to get those extra picks that usually make out better. And I got to say, for as much as I liked Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs on film, being someone that literally wore a shirt on Thursday night that my wife made that said, don't draft running backs in the first round. I was surprised that in the year 2023, two running backs went inside the top 12. Like that seems mind boggling to me. And then especially to do all those grades Friday and Saturday and to see a bunch of really good names go second, third, fourth, fifth round at the running back spot. It felt like the league had gotten collectively smarter on that front, but we did see two really good running backs just go way too early based on the position they play and the replaceability of that position. 
It sounds crazy to say, but you know, you go back, what, five years, teams weren't even going for it on fourth down. They were punting in all kinds exactly. of conservative scenarios. Is it almost translated to the draft board at this point where teams are no longer afraid to, you know, kind of mortgage a year or so, or at least next year's picks? Teams aren't afraid uh, to, you know, take a player if they think that he's their guy. You said it, running backs, two in the top 12, something we don't typically see. Is that kind of maybe peeling over into the actual, you know, logistical NFL side of it? That is a really good question, and I think there's some likes to that because GMs and head coaches today, it, it's easy for me to say as a draft analyst that, hey, like think of the long-term future, always have an understanding of what's going to happen two, three, four years down the road. I, I think based on what you're asking, that there's just more aggression in the NFL, and these GMs and head coaches realize that they don't even have that leash out to three or four years anymore. Uh, that if you're not winning by year two, you're probably going to be on the hot seat and you could be fired if you're not making the playoffs. So yeah, maybe the Falcons and the Lions are like, hey, look, let's just get to the playoffs and Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs help them. So I, I will give a little credence to those teams for going in win now mode because there's really not too many teams that can say, hey, look, we're rebuilding. We're going to try to be good in like three or four years because we just collectively as a society don't have the patience for that anymore. Seriously, uh, speaking of patience, I was thinking back a year ago, you and I lamenting at the Chiefs drafting Sky Moore. Now, I know he didn't exactly have, you know, no, a highlight-filled rookie year, but he, Super Bowl touchdown? I mean, yeah, he did. He was to say, got it done. But speaking of getting it done, let's get to the nitty-gritty. Let's get to what these train wreck fans want to hear, whether it's going to yes. be praise or whether it's going to be graze. Assessing and grading bills. Again, no one in their right mind, you know, can hold anybody accountable for the grades or not. But all you can do is put all the knowledge that you've assembled, uh, Chris, and whether it's going to be able to translate for this Bills team. So what did you think of their draft? What stuck out to you most surprises? And what was your overall feeling on the vibe? Okay, today at CBSSports.com, I just wrote my team by team grades for all 32 teams. And I gave the Bills a B plus. I did an, a weighted average with obviously the first couple of picks weighing a little bit more than those later selections. They were at like 87 or 88. So actually one of the better drafts in the NFL. I think I gave like three or four in the A range and a, a bunch in the B plus range. I like Dalton Kincaid. I had other tight ends graded in front of him. And here's the reasons why he wasn't my number one tight end. And, and, and he was most people that I talked to and in the uh, draft industry's number one tight end. He's older. He turns... 24 during his rookie season. I'm usually not a fan of the older prospects. Had the injury in this final season and really only had one year of like big time production. Now, this past season was outstanding. The yards after the catch was there that I really didn't see before 2022. Never drops a pass. His contested catch ability, uh, just ball tracking skills are through the roof and he can certainly separate. I think that's probably why the Bills leaned in his direction over some of the other tight ends in this class that just aren't as explosive. So I like that pick. I think I gave it a B or B plus in real time. Um, Osiris Torrance, I thought, was a tremendous selection. To go with their first two picks to help Josh Allen, I think that was a dream come true for the Bills. Uh, I think a lot of Bills Mafia were kind of concerned, are they going to pick a D tackle and a safety or an edge rusher? I'm glad for the Bills that they went offense, offense to start. And Osiris Torrance, a lot of people thought the Bills could pick him at 27 overall. So to get him at 59, he is a pro-ready, uh, I think decently high upside guard. The one selection that what I think from just tracking it on Twitter that has drawn the most controversy is the Dorian Williams pick in round three. And I loved that selection. That may have been my favorite pick right up there with Osiris Torrance. I had him graded 
at 64 overall. I had a late second round grade on him. Compared him to last year's Terrell Bernard, the third round linebacker that everyone's comparing him to because they're around the same size. I had a fifth round grade on Terrell Bernard. Dorian Williams is short, but he's a lot like Matt Milano truly as a player in that he plays bigger. He can beat blockers. He's very long. He's great in coverage, made a bunch of plays on the football at Tulane. And whether he's an outside or an inside linebacker, he can be one of the two linebackers on the field in the Bills' base nickel defense. I don't know about him in week one, but early in his career. Don't be surprised if he's like a training camp star because I really think he's rangy, instinctive. He was one of my favorite linebackers in this draft class. And one last point that I'll make on one other pick, Justin Shorter. I didn't love him in terms of his well-roundedness. He's not going to create after the catch. He's not a separator. But if you want someone who can push Gabe Davis as that outside vertical, just deep ball player, and then maybe replace Gabe Davis if he's kind of priced himself out of the Bills' uh, kind of financial range. Isn't that so funny? Like It's Justin Shorter. The way that our analysis analysis has grown, it's literally not like, oh, are the Bills going to be – the only thing that's being said right now, why Gabe Davis might not be here next year is because he might demand too much money. Exactly. And Justin Shorter is bigger. He has better hands than Gabe Davis. Maybe not as good of a you know body contortionist near the sideline, but when you're watching Anthony Richardson film, you continually saw this DK Metcalf-sized wide receiver catching deep posts and go routes down the field. 6'5", almost 230 pounds. Justin Shorter can just be that niche guy, which I think is valuable in this Bills offense. So I, I didn't love the pick because I don't, I don't think he can do a lot more than that. But in round five, to pick another receiver, again, has a direct impact on Josh Allen. I just like where the Bills' head was at in this draft class, collectively, Brandon Bean and company. So I think they did a good job uh, to kind of keep pace in what has become a really, really good AFC. I like the way you went. You went one, two, three. You went right down the line. I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit. Dorian Williams, I'm glad you're all in on him. Dorian, great name. Dr. John Dorian from Scrubs. I mean, JD, come on, who can forget it? First pick. Dalton Kincaid, the first reaction I had when I found out he was 24, and this shows how conditioned I am by Bills fans, I was like, is he older than Tremaine Edmonds? And of course, yes, <laughs> the answer good. is That's he good. was. He was by like four months or something. So it's just insane. The crazy the age thing. But again, the Bills, plain and simple, when you're a top five Super Bowl favorite, you need someone who can help now. So if it's if it's yeah. a 24-year-old or a 26-year-old, get Ryan Tannehill in here with the age, you know, things, of course. <laughs> Remember when he was uh, getting drafted. And then we have Osiris Torrance. Chris, I was out like uh, and about Friday night. I was not, you know, putting in the work that you were putting in, the dedication, the grind, the sweat, the tears. Where were you at? I was at Patrick's rooftop, and and, okay. and and I saw the pick, and I and I, I I almost doubled over because you know, again, I wasn't following every single pick of this draft, but I I mean, I I I and I and I look at you know, I must be in the bottom ten percent of people who actually look at mock drafts, but. I mean, Osiris Torrance, I feel like I saw him in so many. I feel like I saw him in so many. I, so, again, I almost doubled over seeing OCT, you know me, fall to the Bills. So, I'm very excited about that. And, again, like you said, I think there was a sour taste at the way the last season ended with Josh kind of having to run for his life for the last month mm-hmm. and a half of the season and kind of make it happen yeah. on the fly. The fact that they addressed it with a tight end and a, and a and lineman, hopefully reinforcements, uh, I think that's big for the fan base and the vibe. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, I was doing a social media video when the Bills were getting close to being on the clock for that round two pick. 
So I actually missed, I think what Fred Jackson announced it. Yeah. And when I came back in the room, like we had a room with like 10 TVs watching it. And I literally said like, holy shit, they drafted Osiris Torrance because I like wasn't sure who was still on the board. Cause I had to leave at like pick 55 or 56. And it, I, it kind of like forgot that he was still available. And it was like, wow, he was someone that you can look back a lot of mock drafts, including some that I did that thought he would have been a fine pick at 27. So obviously, Chris, you're holding it down at CBS Sports. So I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to slander ESPN, even though they were awful all night. With that said, uh, draft coverage, we were seeing um, unprecedented kind of access to NFL war rooms. I would say even by, you know, recent year standards, obviously COVID, you weren't really seeing in any, uh, you know, draft rooms then because everything was restricted. Maybe now it's kind of like a rolling thunder of, you know, maybe missing a couple of years of that. But I mean, just seeing inside the Cowboys uh, draft room, seeing some of the decisions made in near real time. Do you think that there could become a, a day like five, 10 years down the line, maybe where we're seeing like, you know, draft decisions or maybe even like, maybe even a team releasing their full war room beginning to end. It wouldn't shock me. And now like this week we get all those team produced videos. The bills do a great job with theirs that really show what happens leading into a draft. We just saw today, which is kind of impacts the bills, what the Cowboys were doing at 26 uh, overall, that they were, kind of bummed that the bills moved in front of them and they were choosing between either Matthew Bergeron, the offensive tackle from Syracuse who actually went 12 picks later or Mozzie Smith, who they ultimately selected the nose tackle from Michigan. So I think we will continue to get more access, which seems crazy to me because the teams always claim from January until April, they're so tight lipped. No one knows anything. And then on draft night, whether it's Peter King in the Las Vegas Raiders war room, or like you mentioned, NFL Network and ESPN, they get a lot of access. I actually had someone tweet at me today and said, maybe the NFL, just to get more money, would like have tickets sold where fans could like sit close to the war room, no phones or anything, of course, to be able to watch it go down in real time. I think there'd be some pushback from the actual people making the decisions. But when it comes to making money, I don't think the NFL ever says no to any ideas. Like there's no such thing as a bad idea. It is a lot of fun though, when you're watching the draft and you get kind of that inside look, that's more than just the teams making the selections themselves. And like, you know, I've only been to one bills draft party. It was in 2019 when they drafted Ed Oliver, but they're drafting Oliver. Ed Oliver and they're coming out like seven minutes later and talking to the crowd and firing them up. Like it's a pep rally. So what you just said, fans being in the warm fans, maybe being in like a, you know, an auditorium setting. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. I could definitely see something like that developing. And obviously we'll see all kinds of crazy stuff continue to develop in the draft. We're here with draft Nick, Chris Trapasso. We're going to let him go in just a couple minutes here on trainer tonight. Just want to get a couple thoughts on things. He doesn't have any inside sources from what I was able to detect in the pre-show folks. But Chris, give me maybe a prediction for uh, obviously Bill's schedule release uh, next Thursday. I believe it is May 11th. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, maybe home opener and over under primetime games, three and a half. Give me an over under there. Okay. Over on the primetime games. I know there's okay. some more teams. I was a new blind. I just, I just moved it up to four instantly when you block that in. Yeah. So, I mean, with the jets being in the division, it seems like, could that hurt the bills chances of being on primetime games or will one of those bills jets games be in primetime? Probably the latter um, in terms of home opener. I would love to see the Dallas Cowboys. I think that would be fun. Uh, there's been a lot of those divisional games early on the jets, the dolphins in week two, the Patriots, um, to see the Cowboys in orchard park. I think obviously it's, you know, hearkening back to those super bowl years in the nineties that for a lot of young fans are like, what the hell? I don't, I don't know that. I don't recall that at all. 
I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and I think the ratings would be huge because the Cowboys are always a huge draw and the bills have become a really big draw nationally in the Josh Allen era. Yeah, I could see, I could see that being a home opener, even at like a four o'clock game because yeah. that's when you can stick on an Island by itself for sure. You already got the minds whirring here. That's why we bring CT in. Um, and speaking of analysis, Mike Hyde charity softball game, you got the, the defense or the offense getting this one done on Sunday. Probably the defense. I mean, from the little clips that I've actually watched on, on, your YouTube and your Twitter, like it seems like with with Hyde and Poyer, they have two like really good just all around athletes. Um, but I think for the home run derby, Josh Allen's going to what three Pete, four Pete. I mean, just at his size, bat speed, uh, chugging beer ability afterward. I, I I'm going to go with the defense winning, but Josh Allen winning the home run derby. Okay, I like that. Um, I and we yeah we're looking forward to that action on Sunday. Uh, winding down here with Chris on train wreck tonight, two ninety one. Thanks for coming on, uh, my guy. And I want to jump the gun on the shout out here. Can I get it pulled up? Typically I let the guests go first, but I'm going to say shout out Mrs. Trapasso. Let's go. Yes. 3000 plus sales on Etsy. This is not easy folks. These, these, these don't grow on trees. So shout out to her. Let's go. Yes. Anything, any custom shirt you want, Louise and Lena on Etsy. She sold. So the day of the Bills Rams game last year, the night game Thursday night, she sold like 45 Bills shirts that day. It was still, I think, her best performing day. A lot of custom, not trademark infringed, custom Bills shirts that say, let's go Buffalo, anything you want. She can make it pretty fast now on her computer with Canva and all that. So definitely check that link that you just saw there. Um, and yeah, you can do no more tacos or no more tacos. She's an English teacher. So she has some teacher shirts as well. Uh, thank you for that shout out. She'll be very pleased when I tell her that we got this shout out. Hey, we, awesome res- we respect grinders here on trainer sports and that's our respect CT CZ. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, go have a good night now, sir. Thanks Zach. Appreciate you. Folks. And we will keep rolling along here on train Rec tonight, two ninety one. after this brief message from our sponsor. Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Follow me into the great unknown where pink flamingos grow. Diet soda falls and what you take magically regenerates on supermarket shelves. The ovens clean themselves. You don't
between me and you, we do. You can scratch my back, and I'll scratch my back too. And everyone is welcome at the party, yeah. People, more is more. Are we all on board? You don't pay the tap to the last time. So we all ride for nothing, cause this train never stops. rolling along train wreck tonight 291 excited honored a little bit nervous to welcome this next guest onto the show buffalo freddie sir how are we doing i know it's been a journey this last week with the cruise and everything how is everything going on your end how are you doing sir oh i'm great i've been a little disconnected uh, besides just commenting non-stop on twitter about you know drafting fat guys which we finally did but i uh, yeah, I got away for the first time in a little while since the middle of the Bills season. It was wonderful. Seriously, and let's get into that real quick because obviously that's the first thing we always do on TT, the weekend recap. So, cruise, family, without, you know, doxing yourself, how was it? How'd you enjoy it? I mean, you were watching the draft on a boat? Uh, I watched the draft from uh, day one from a bar in Bermuda. And then uh, day two on, I was watching from my cell phone streaming on Wi-Fi from a cruise. So uh, my like guys chat that I'm in that just talks football all day every day they were pissed at me they were super pissed because I knew about ten minutes before it hit ESPN what the pick was and I was just ranting away all happy that we drafted uh, Dalton Kincaid and they had, they had no idea because they were like vowing not to not to spoil the pick and yeah I did I definitely spoiled it pretty bad. Now I know that you you said your brand before it was draft fat guys and we need them we need them to protect Josh we need them to get after the other QB. They were able to do that. Now, I will say, Dalton Kincaid, not exactly a fat guy. With that nope. said, are you happy with the first-round pick? Right. Oh, extremely happy. I wanted there to be either a trade back because I didn't think we would get somebody with a true first-round grade at 27. And then a lot of people had this guy rated in the teens. Some people had him mocked in the top 10. To, at pick 27, get anybody with that kind of value, I think it's incredible. And that was my hope. Either get somebody who fell that can really help our offense – uh, maybe somebody on the defensive line or just move back and pick up some extra picks. Uh, I think that this guy's going to be a weapon for years to come. Seriously. And speaking of being a weapon, you and I, we kind of crossed paths. We had seen each other. Obviously I'd been at Bill's mafia house. We had kind of gone back and forth on social. And then we obviously met up, you know, this past winter when we were helping shovel out, uh, you know, the neighborhoods and everything like that. Just wanted to flashback because we had an interesting uh, experience this week. We had the Milwaukee Bucks get eliminated in the first round by the Miami Heat. Reporter asked him if the season's a failure. And I'm kind of thinking about that because the way that the Bills season ended left a, a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. But when you look at it, I mean, there were two home playoff games. There were a lot of great primetime experiences. There were a lot of great tailgates. So I want to pose this question to you. Do you look back at the Bills 2022 season as anything as more resembling a failure or more resembling a success? Definitely not. I mean, come on. But if you would have asked me five minutes after the Cincinnati game, like emotional answer probably would have been something just stupid. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we were we won our division. We had an incredible year overall with a lot of turmoil, but. I mean, I'm, I'm 35 years old and it's top two seasons ever that I've lived in 
besides when I was like a baby. So, yeah, absolutely not. The the Bills are, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL. Fall life completely revolves around them. Had a great time. Did a lot of good work in the community. It brings everyone together. No, there is no failure whatsoever unless something just utterly dumb happens or somebody like blatantly cheats like the Patriots or something like that. Yeah, that's a failure to me. You get caught cheating. You uh, like the Miami Dolphins, for instance, you lose your first round pick and uh, you throw your quarterback out on national on a national game to just get destroyed and he gets hurt. Yeah, you failed in that situation. But other than that, no, this year was amazing. It didn't end how anybody wanted, but. Uh, we're a really good football team and uh, 95% of the time from start to finish was just pure joy. I mean, everything about the bills is just happiness. It's, it's the reason I still live in Buffalo. Speaking of pure happiness, speaking of pure elation, you look on the timeline last summer and you see FINA fest. Now you tell me FINA fest two is already in the works. Take me back though. Take me back like what a year, a, a year or so. Uh, when what went into the original planning of the first Fina Fest? What were like? What was the response to that? And what are you looking forward to this year, Fina Fest too? So Fina Fest, uh, Fina Fest was kept a big secret last year. It was pretty much just a creation in my head. Uh, it's celebrating John Fina uh, to an extent. Uh, there's a large group chat, or was a large group chat that John was in on uh, Twitter that involved a lot of people from the Bills Mafia house in general. And just people interacted nonstop. Most of us had never met besides one tailgate together. And John's probably the most interactive person on Twitter of any current or, you know, ex-Bills player. And he had agreed to just have like a, a meet and greet with a whole bunch of the people that we talk to regularly. And he didn't know what to do. Nobody would really make any decisions. Uh, they, you know, people were just... Him and hawing, thinking, hey, we could do this, we could do that, we can meet up there. And eventually I just said, I got it, just let me do it. And uh, I threw pretty much a giant party for a couple hundred people. I actually did it at my house in Lancaster. I say, sometimes you just take the reins. I think it's easier to do stuff that way because you get too many opinions, too many indecisive people when you're just, you know, a lot of, a lot of cooks in the kitchen or people – go back and forth. And if you just have one goal in mind and just do something in general, you at least know you're accomplishing whatever the original goals were. So yeah, it was a huge hit. We had a great time, but nothing stupid happened. We had, uh, you know, a bunch of kids on bounce houses and in my pool, uh, opened up my entire house to whoever was there. And I had a lot of like, people show up last minute that I didn't even ever talk to before <laughs> classic, classic popular party. You get, you get a little overflow of those extra guests. I mean, that doesn't worry you though, right? You're a pro to hosting. I mean, strangers, yeah, you know, any, any bills fans on, on the regular basis. Yeah. Pretty much designed our house and kitchen and backyard to host. Uh, so it worked out great. And now I think that's kind of just a thing. It's been, uh, it's been uh, some chit chat about FINA fest too, and what we're going to do for it. But I don't think we really need to change much. We're just going to make it like an annual party and probably still keep it a little bit invite only. It's not going to of make course. its wave around, but not, not full of Sean McCoy status with, with females only, but uh, yeah. no, you might, of course you got to regulate those invites, especially when you have a big time name like John Fina. So do we have a tentative date for that? I mean, I know it's a little ways up. It's gotta be months, right? 
So, yeah, uh, John doesn't live in this uh, area. He lives uh, out of state. So he's in town for a couple of major golf tournaments and whatnot. We're looking for uh, we're looking at August 12th. OK, right about the time we ended up doing it last year. Super hot outside. Not a lot going on in, in Buffalo besides it's just summer and nice. And the only thing that could really get in the way is maybe a Bill's preseason game that day but there isn't any major concerts or festivals. And it's uh, one of the charity golf tournaments or that weekend that he's playing in, I think, on Sunday. So Saturday worked great. He's, he's going to be a little, a little hurt on Sunday morning, but that's okay. I could see, I mean, I know that these things tend to grow. These things tend to get out of control. I feel like I could see a FINA Fest like five at the Bills Mafia house, like in conjunction with the Bills game. I feel like that could be something in the future. I think that if we really pushed to have a bigger venue or more people. If we tried to do anything like that, we could have had Fest 2 be somewhere. We're talking about running out like a park or something, but I don't know. For years, I felt like there should be like a summer tailgate, a summer party amongst Bills fans, so people on Twitter who interact. I mean, it's a long off season and people talk about it nonstop. Everyone I talk to talks about a big gathering in the summer and just nobody did it. Nobody Seriously. Did it. Yeah. I mean, let's so face it, I Bills did. fans, that passion between what, February when the season ends and obviously you have the draft. It's kind of like an island of excitement here and you got the draft, the schedule release as well. But that's like a six month period where you're basically getting no bills. Issue. You're not getting that bills fixed. And it's a great way to a uh, great little solution you guys have come up with. Yeah, I, there's a lot of one off events, charitable uh, events. The, the Hyde softball tournament is a staple at this point that's coming up this weekend. Seriously, um, let's get into it. Um, yeah, obviously, the weather report's looking good. High 50s, 60s, sunny. You got a group of what, 40 going? Yeah, so as soon as the uh, as soon as soon the tickets became available, myself, a bunch of members from Poncho's Army, tons of people from Twitter just interact together. A lot of people who show up to a lot of the charity events and whatnot. I just, I, I contacted the Bisons directly, and I just bought group tickets. So, you know, I, I don't even know what section it is, but. There's going to be a section of the 100 level that there's about 40 of the diehards off Twitter who are all together and it should be a good time. Uh, but this event has just grown immensely. The first couple of years or so, there was a couple thousand people there. And then last year, after it being right after the tragedy, I think it, it ended up selling out or coming very close to. And that Saturday was uh, it was a day and you had. A lot of the players were very generous, you know, Josh himself and several other of the players went around row one and signed any and everything. They were very interactive. And that's not something that happens uh, very often throughout the year. How often do you get most of the team in like that kind of situation where they don't have a lot that they have to do besides just enjoy themselves for the day? So this year, well, we all tried to get row one, the VIP tickets, which last year I bought a week before the game. Uh, six months beforehand, they sold out in five minutes. Like as soon as they went for sale, all the VIP tickets were gone. I don't have any. And I was sitting on there on three computers trying to buy them. So I'm going to sit with all my friends all together. But the VIP, which gives you the access to all the players autographing and, you know, being there to just chit chat with you, converse, whatnot. They're uh, they're gone. They're they're gone instantly. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen such a popular. It's exactly like you said, 2019. There were maybe a couple thousand people, and it has grown like crazy since. And yeah, it's really the only opportunity with training camp being back at St. John Fisher and everything this year. I mean, I think to interact with multiple Buffalo Bills face to face to kind of see them in the city of Buffalo. Because basically, anytime they see Buffalo, they're doing private events. There are things like that. 
This is going to be a chance for everyone to come check it out. That's why I call it the Super Bowl of the Spring. And speaking of the Super Bowl of the Spring, two things, two questions for you. Do you have Josh Allen three-peating in the home run derby? I actually am going to go no. Um, I probably would have said yes if Poyer wasn't playing in it, but I, I'm pretty sure he is. And, I mean, Jordan could have played professional baseball. And I, I think he spent the offseason li- at least a little bit of time you know, prepping for this home run derby. I think I think there's going to be some competition knowing that this event now is huge and there's like national media there. Josh won the last couple of years, but he didn't hit dinger after dinger after dinger. He, he squeaked by. Somebody, I, I mean, yeah. Jordan Jordan has an asteroid-sized chip on his shoulder. And I yeah. think that's why Vegas has him as a virtual pick. They, uh, Josh and Jordan are basically neck and neck as far as the odds you for the home run derby. You can softball tournament right now in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, let's... I mean, I of course, of course, of course. You can bet on anything if you put your mind to it. With that said, offense or defense, who do you got winning when it's all said and done? Uh, defense crushed them last year, right? So yeah. I, I just go with the winner. So I, until that changes, I'm going to go defense, I guess. I'll be rooting for the offense for sure. They're a little bit more fun. But, uh, yeah, the defense, defense put up a lot of runs last year. So we're going to go with them. A lot of bombs, a lot of excitement last year. We're looking forward to that this Sunday again at – Bison Stadium will be there bright and early, ready to rock and roll. And speaking of lots of excitement, speaking of ready to rock and roll, schedule release. It's interesting. It's about what? A week and a half away. Uh, it'll be like next, I think, Thursday or so. May 11th, I believe, yeah. Yes. Um, but, you know, I was talking with, I think I mentioned this on like a Dell Reed comment. You know, it's like as a Bills fan during the drought, you were really excited for the draft because it was like these are the guys that could maybe get you out of the drought. They could help you. They could progress the team. You're still excited for that. You're still excited to see what Dalton Kincaid can do with Josh Allen. But I think the focus of looking forward to the next season and everything has definitely shifted to the schedule release and made that the bigger event as far as Bills fans are concerned. Let me say something that I mean like wholeheartedly. I'm not even exaggerating at all. I literally plan my year around the schedule release. When that comes out is when I plan all of my vacations. All of the remainder of my life for the year 2023 is going to be happening may 11th i get together with my the people i build season tickets with we pick at least one maybe two road games and we book it immediately that night the second that it comes out we're booking our hotel or flight we're gonna search how we get tickets for the game and i will then plan when i'm available to do things with like my friends and family in the fall because i won't plan anything at all until the schedule release comes out because i know that that is you know pretty much priority one and if there's a home game, I'm not going to be anywhere else but in Buffalo. If there's an away game that is within driving distance or somewhere I want to go, I'm going to be there. I'm not planning any activities. I'm not, I, I'll try to link in uh, any kind of vacations with seeing a Bills game or maybe a Bills and Sabres game combined. But yeah, my, my fall is dedicated to football. Seriously. And uh, speaking of which, so, uh, you know, obviously you can't pick and choose. If you could have any home opener opponent, who who would you choose? I'll go first. I would take either of the New York teams. We are slated to play the Jets and Giants both at home this year. I would love to play Dable in a home rematch after everyone was all high on him last year with all he was able to accomplish. I'd love to see McDermott and Co. stomp him down. And I would love to get the jump on Jets and the Roger and Rodgers early, get a big win over them. I think Jets is probably going to be the most common pick there just because you you probably want to get Aaron Rodgers early in the year before he starts to really sync up with the rest of his team. I got, I wouldn't say I'm going to be afraid of Dable, but 
I think Dable's a superior offensive coach than anybody we have on our team right now. So you get Dable week one with pretty much planning against us the entire year, nothing that they're doing on film at all. And he's going to come in and probably hit us in the mouth. He's going to shock us a little bit with something that some things that he's going to be doing going into the season that aren't on tape at all. Yeah, that's a bit of a dangerous game. I like to come in week one and just win. <laughs> I, it's it's like Christmas. The home opener is one of the biggest celebrations of the year. Hundred percent. So a couple of years ago, we played uh, we played Pittsburgh, and I was everybody thought we were going to whoop them, and I was yep. concerned because they were completely healthy going into that game. Uh, fresh, their defensive line was had a potential to eat, and they ate. They really did, right? And then a couple of weeks later, if we play them any other time throughout the season, we crush them because they had injuries. They were on film. I mean, 100%. We're, we were five wide the entire game. We didn't have anything, you know, two tight end sets. We weren't chipping anybody. They just, Josh got crushed. And I think if we play them at any point in time and fix the little nuances that we had that were just not working week one, we win that game for sure. And I think losing that game may have cost us a one seed too. Seriously, there's no doubt it did, especially, I mean, it's crazy. Week one, every week counts, especially when you're looking at that buy, that number one overall seed. Huge shout out to Buffalo Freddy. Make sure you're checking out Buffalo Party Rental and all that, all that fun stuff. Uh, any any uh, mention there? Come on, get a little plug. Uh, I own uh, Buffalo Party Rental. I, uh, you know, it's been a fun little endeavor, midlife crisis that's really exploded. Um, pretty much imagine. If you're going to have a midlife crisis, it might as well explode. Yeah, it's got a you know, I guess for me, it had to be something to do with parties and it's it's we've done pretty well. I've been able to integrate it with uh tailgating and being a Bills fan as well. So yeah, Buffalo Party Rental doc, or BuffaloFreddy.com. We just any bounce house, commercial tent, stuff like that. But you know, just come to one of our tailgates, you'll see. Any other shout outs before we sign off here? Shut nah, no. Just go Bills. Go Seriously. Bills. Go Bills. Shout out to everyone setting up the Micah Hyde event this week. Shout out to everyone who's mm-hmm. going to end up setting up FINA Fest too. And shout out to all the Buffalo sports fans waiting every moment for that schedule release, for anything at Bills, and of course, for the Bills season coming up. Huge shout out, Buffalo Freddy, for joining us. Thank you for coming along, and thank you for joining. Make sure you're following on all the great platforms, and obviously, go have a good night now. 